You found the Love Fly podcast. I'm Paul Tizard, fear of flying coach. I've been helping nervous fires since 1997. And in this podcast, you will find aviation experts, enthusiasts, and also people just like you that have beaten their fears. A massive welcome to you and thank you so much for listening. the podcast we welcome phil woods who has got he's got a great story to share so uh, without further ado here's phil thank you yeah i'm very excited to be here you were kind of a lifesaver for me and uh my wife is probably very pleased that i found you when i did because i think if i would have kept going with my my panic attacks i think we would have had some troubles uh so very happy that i found love fly and, and i was kind of surprised there's not more things like this out there because as you talk about all the time on your podcast, it's such a huge fear for so many people. Yeah, yeah. And you see so many statistics, but a lot of times to find those statistics, you have to go to websites that also love to talk about the few bad things that happen. And so I was just looking for podcasts and like there's podcasts on everything. There has to be podcasts on this. And really there weren't that many. And I happened, the first one I listened to was the, uh, the first episode you did. The first episode I listened to was for Simply Fly. And so I literally downloaded Simply Fly that day and started listening to Simply Fly. It was right when you got the uh, the free um, oh, yeah. whatever That's it was. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I got the free month of that, and then I I pretty much have your audio book at the end of Simply Fly memorized. So yeah, that's, that's, that's your, uh, you, my, my you wife knows bastard. your quotes cause I say them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, okay. Well, let's do rewind. This is great. That's a nice, um, yeah. Thank you for that. Tell us about you. Tell us about your fear of flying and, uh, yeah, just bring us up to date a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I always found when I was listening to these, mine was a little bit different. Um, I have a lot of fears, you know, like I, I don't like getting in elevators, but I've been stuck in elevators. So that's why I don't like getting in them. Like a lot of my fears come from an experience that I had that was yeah. not good, you know, and, and something bad happened. So when I was a kid, I grew up in New Jersey, which, you know, like in, in the U S we're right there with Philadelphia and New York city and Baltimore and Washington, DC, it's all within a four hour drive. And so we would drive pretty much everywhere. We never flew. We would just drive everywhere. And really, we didn't travel outside of the Northeast except to come down to Florida. And that would be the only time that we would fly. So my first, I, I think I flew when I was an infant. And then the only other flight I had uh, up through like the first six years of my life was to go to Disney World. Don't remember it. Why would I remember it? It doesn't, you know, I was six years old. I was excited to go to Disney World. The next year, this was 1999, one of my parents' friends actually died in a commercial aviation accident. Uh, it was the Swiss air flight that crashed over Nova Scotia. And so wow. at, at seven years old, mm -hmm. I remember so distinctly sitting there and hearing those conversations and dealing with that. And that I remember a heck of a lot better than I remember my flight to Disney World. That's for sure. Um, and then I think it was maybe a year or two later, and I know this was a private thing, but again, you're watching the news as a child. You don't know what you're watching. I think it was like a year or two later, uh, JFK's Junior's plane crashed. Mm. And then in 2001, it was 9-11. And I grew up in the Northeast. Mm. I had been on exactly one plane ride up to that point that I can remember. And so for me planes failed a heck of a lot more than they succeeded. And my dad worked for uh, USAA, which is an insurance company here that's military based. And he would have to fly to San Antonio because that's where their headquarters are. Mm. 
And I remember so distinctly sitting at the table with my mom, my grandma, my grandpa, my dad, my sister and myself. And, you know, there might have been other people, but I just remember this and them talking about, well, why don't you take the train? It's so much safer. Take the train, take the train. And this was probably around 2001, 2002, because we had had all these experiences that actually directly impacted our family. Yeah. So that's where it began. Yeah, Um, that's that's quite a big beginning. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was, it's like your podcast has been so helpful for me and like listening and hearing more of the rational side. And I try to be a rational person, but every now and then you just get those irrational thoughts where you can't help yourself. And the one thing that I always appreciate with these people who you bring on to your podcast is they'll say the statistics, but they understand that those statistics aren't enough for some people. And the way I always looked at it was, well, statistics, the, my parents' friend who died in a plane crash had the exact same statistics we all have, right? I mean, that, like, to me, so I'm like, okay, well, he was the anomaly. And then everybody's always like, well, if you knew somebody who died in a commercial aviation actor, like, you know, and you go on and on with statistics, but I didn't need the statistics. I, I do a lot of work with with sports statistics and and things like that. I know how stats work and I know upsets happen every now and then. And I know that things can, things can go wrong or right or whatever. And so... Um, it was it was good to start to be able to hear the 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 uh, the re- the real things going on with planes. But going back then after, so that I can kind of like catch up to like where this f- real fear like really started up again. After that, you know, family would take little trips. Again, Florida was our primary place, and then when I was a freshman in high school which was like 2006, we flew out to Washington state. So that was the only time in my entire, you know, time before college that I went out there. Yeah. I then went to college at the university of Miami. So I'm flying from New Jersey to Florida all the time. I was on the cross country team at the university of Miami. So we were flying all the time. I mean, we're flying, you know, we, I remember we went to Kentucky, we went back up to New Jersey, which always made me laugh. I was down at school for like a month. Were you all right with it then? I was I was fine because I started to get so used to it. You know, I was just getting used to it. I was getting used to it. I was getting used to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd always have it was always like uh, the week, the couple days before I'd be like, oh, man, I can't believe I have to get on a flight. But I also like to be like a creature of habit a little bit. I like I like my routines. I like I like being home. I like watching movies and TV and, and going on runs and bike rides. And whenever I have to go somewhere, it kind of takes me out of it. But when I was on the when I was on the cross country team, I looked at it as, okay, this is this is work. This is what we're going to do. It's no big deal. And it never really bothered me. And I remember one flight we took uh, coming from Louisville, Kentucky. We got a direct to Miami, Florida, which doesn't happen because on the way up, we had to go to Atlanta and then Kentucky. And we got a direct and the entire plane was pretty much our team. We might as well have been on a private plane and we're coming through the clouds on the way down. And we're in essentially like right on the outskirts of a thunderstorm and we're shaking and the whole plane is going crazy and everything like that. And I remember the whole team's joking about like, oh, my God, the Miami cross country team, like what's going on while we're still up in the air, like nothing going on. And I wasn't bothered by it. I just, you know, didn't bother me. And then I moved to California after school. So I was constantly flying cross country to see my family and then go back home and back and Mm -hmm. forth. And I worked for an international film sales company while I was in California briefly. And that took me to Cannes and and that took me to the Berlin Film Festival. And then I went around the Greek Isles and all that stuff. So like I did all that stuff and there was always a little bit of nervousness to the flying, but never to the point of like a real issue. So now I live in Florida um, and 
the problem with living in Florida is you can't really drive anywhere. We're in South Florida. It takes six hours just to get to the northern part of Florida. So you have to fly pretty much everywhere. And because my wife and I have lived all over the United States, we are constantly flying for people's weddings, for for whatever's going on. Like, it's just we have to fly yes. everywhere. Yes. And so last year I had a bit of bad luck and had like a bad health issue. And I ended up having to have a surgery and it just, you know, obviously elevated my anxiety and all of that. Yeah. yeah. But about a month after the surgery was over, I got the okay to fly. And my friend was getting married in Los Angeles. And for the first time in my life, I was excited to get on a plane. And I was like, okay, this is going to be great. I can't wait. Like I finally put this health thing behind me. I can go to my friend's wedding. I'm going to see all my old friends from Los Angeles. Like this is going to be awesome. Flew out there. No problems at all. On the way back, we did a stop in Arizona. I know I'm giving a lot of places, but there's a whole story to it, right? Um, we did a stop in Arizona to see my wife. You are the perfect guest. You talk, I listen. Love it. Keep going. So, so we, we did a stop in Arizona to see my wife's parents. So we flew. So even though the wedding, uh, we'd flown into Los Angeles, we had driven up into the mountain part of California, and we were flying from uh, San Luis Obispo, which is a little regional airport, yeah. and we were flying to Phoenix. And... So we get on this really small plane, uh, you know, it's the two, two, probably like 15 rows, like nothing to it. And it's really bumpy, really turbulent, really turbulent. And I'm like, whatever, I'm fine. I always, I always use the trick of look at the flight attendants because if the flight attendants are fine, then we're fine. So I have my headphones and I'm looking at the flight attendants and we're about to come down and the, and the pilot comes on. He says, Hey, it's going to be really, really bumpy on the way down. So like everybody, please return to your seats and put your seatbelts on. So with that, one flight attendant is at the front of the plane, the other's at the back. And the one in the back of the plane screams at the top of her lungs, you need to sit down right now at the other flight attendant. As the plane is doing the thing where like, you know, the bodies are totally shaken, you know, people's heads are going all over. And I turned my wife and I was like, are we actually okay right now? Or is there an actual problem? Because I had never seen a flight attendant react in that way. And then we have this really violent turbulence and nobody's coming on to be like, oh, we're fine. And the flight attendant who we were kind of near the back, the flight attendant who's in the back is still not okay. And I was like, I've never seen a flight attendant act like this. I don't know what's going on. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. So we land safely. Obviously everything's fine. Um, But I got off that plane and I was like, man, I'm kissing the ground. And that was a 45 minute flight. Like what just happened? I can't believe this. And then we fly about a week later from Arizona to uh, back to Miami. And I am nervous. Like I, you know, this now I got the real nerves. And while we're on the plane, um, another passenger actually had like a panic attack and they they were doing the whole thing where they they got the they got the the thing and they're calling down the ground like we might have to divert like you don't know what's going because they didn't honestly know what was going on yes. and yeah, yeah. then they, they they do the whole uh are there any doctors on board and like seven people went walking and i'm like okay well <laughs> if i'm gonna have anything go wrong with me here at least i'm gonna be in good hands but you know everything was fine but i was already on such edge yeah, yeah. that by the time i'm sitting on that plane and now i'm having like a, a medical incident that I've never experienced on a plane before. So now I'm, I'm like, okay, my, my last two flights involved a flight attendant losing their mind as far as I'm concerned. And then, and then a medical incident. Well, we go about five months and we don't have any planes and we're supposed to fly to a, a wedding in Las Vegas in this past March. Mm. And in like the two weeks up to that, I start getting like, I can't get on this plane. I can't get on this plane. I can't get on this plane. I can't like it was bad. It was so bad. 
And the day we were supposed to fly, I had a full blown panic attack. My wife was like, no, you need to get on. It's fine. Blah, blah. blah. So I couldn't what, do on it. On the ground, you mean like, oh, I got to the flight. Didn't even go to the airport. Right. Didn't even go to the airport. It was in the morning. We were supposed to take a nighttime flight. And I was so affected, I think, still by everything that had been going on. And then the fact that I did have a medical issue with myself, yeah. I was finally like coming down from that and relaxing. And all of a sudden I saw this flight as just a massive, massive stressor. Just a ma And it came to the, no matter what somebody would say to me, statistics wise or anything like that, I would just be like, well, my parents have a friend who died in a plane crash. And like, that's my mind went back to, to 24 years ago. So that wow. wasn't fun. Yeah. So that wasn't fun. So breathe, I didn't get on that plane. Phil, I, know. <laughs> I know. So I didn't get on that plane and, uh, and my wife had to, you know, it was my wife's friend. So she got to be the, the bad guy. I got to use me as the bad guy, but I didn't have to interact with them. Um, and I still feel bad and hopefully we'll see them again soon. Cause it was the day before their wedding. So there's really not much you can do in terms of cancellation on that. And, um, that day I literally went on a walk and while I was on that walk, I was just scrolling fear of flying, fear of flying, fear of flying, fear of flying, because it had always been one of those things where I would, like I said, I'd get a little nervous beforehand, but yeah. then I'd get on the plane and I'd be fine. And it was like, even if I had a nervous flight, just get me there, like whatever. And I'll be fine once I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was finally like a breaking point for me. And I was like, okay, I need to address this and I need to figure out how I can make this better because the fun part of this story is between the end of April of this year and July 13th of this year, we had 16 flights coming up. So I'm having a full blown panic attack for a flight from Florida to Las Vegas in the beginning of March. And we had trips to Ohio coming up, trips to New Jersey, trips to New York, trips to Arizona. And then we had a European trip. So I had to really face this because we were invested in a lot of money into not just those flights, but the hotels, the events okay, we were so doing, everything. Okay, so timeline clear because you so you talk. This is March, yeah, yeah, and then your your beginning of your sixteen flights is the end of April. End of April. All oh, right. Wow. Yeah. So I had a month and a half to figure this out. Okay. Oh, this is great. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so I had a month and a half to figure this out, and I'm like, okay, how am I going to get over this? And you know, I'm having phone calls with my mom who, again, this was her friends. It, it was her friend who died in the plane crash. Yeah. And I'm having phone calls with her and she's like, why are you being like this? Like she's flying, she's flying back and forth between Florida to see me and my sister and going back to New Jersey, having no problem. She's like, why are you being like this? Like you got it, it's mind over matter, it's mind over matter. And I was like, no, I know that, but I need to find another alternative. And yeah. like I said, the first podcast I listened to, uh, you were on with the owner of Simply Fly or the creator of Simply Fly, whose name yeah. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Alon. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And I listened to that whole podcast and I went and I downloaded Simply Fly and I literally watched every single thing in the next three days. The next three days, I just sat there and I watched it and I watched it. And what was amazing about it is you all got into the stuff that always freaked me out on planes. And that's the stuff people don't talk about, right? Like they don't tell you about that. Because the headline of something going wrong is always the disaster. Mm. And then at the very last sentence, it says nobody was injured or died. And they hide that. Yes. And so, you know, when you when you were talking about, well, when the plane takes off or it was you or it was Alon, it was one or the other. And you're talking about when the plane takes off and it gets quieter. That was always something that freaked me out so much because I'm like, oh, God, the engines just failed. Like something is wrong. This is it. And 
that wasn't the case. That's just why would we have all that extra power that we don't need anymore? Why would we have all that noise that we don't need anymore? Mm. And to hear those things and to hear what the noises actually were, the smoke coming into the plane, which is air conditioning, blew my mind. I was like, this whole time, I you hear it sounds like a dog like barking almost, right? And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is going on? And you just don't know about this stuff. And then to hear of you're flying and, you know, this is how far they're expected to be able to fly if an engine were to fail or if this is one of the big ones that really helped me was they're constantly in communication with the ground. And and if they need to divert, they know where the nearest airport is at all times. Because for me, it was like, if something goes wrong, are they just looking for a field? (laughs) Like, where are they going? Because you don't hear about that stuff. So being able to get all of that in my head really helped. Now, the first flight I did was to Columbus, Ohio. Really drunk on that flight. That's for sure. That one was not great. Um, I was just, I drank beforehand. I wasn't, you know, to the point where I was falling down, but I definitely was cozy on that plane. But I was determined after that to like not have that become the crutch of getting on an airplane, right? I don't need to be the person who, if I'm taking a 7 a.m. flight, I'm like, okay, why isn't the bar open yet? Because I need this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, so that flight was like that, the flight back, I was okay. And as we started going, I started getting better and better and better with it. And really just like calming my, being able to calm myself down when I'm on the plane, rationalize a bit, be like, you're going to get there. It's no problem. And then the closer we got to the flight from Florida to Portugal, because we flew to Lisbon. Um, and then we were going from Lisbon to Munich. So really just getting to Lisbon was just because Miami, that's the easiest one to get to. That flight freaked me out because everything you had been talking about was, you know, was like, oh, well, they know the diversion stuff. And I'm like, well, we're about to fly like 4,500 miles over the ocean. Like, where where do we divert if this happens? Like, what happens if something happens here? What happens if something happens there? My mind's racing 100 miles an hour. So, I did so not. Just pause a sec. That's good. Yeah. So you've done all that great work. And then mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden, it's almost reversed because of this slight, this well, this yeah, because, different scenario, yeah? So up to that point, I had done 10 flights. 10 of the 16 flights were done before that Lisbon flight. And my wife would say, wow, you're so much better than you were. You've calmed down. Like, like you're not, like, I can tell that you're not anxious. I would sleep the night before a flight, which I wasn't doing prior to that. Even in my days where I thought I was okay. I know it was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. When you can like treat flying like a normal day, that really is like such a treat because that was never the case for me, even when I thought I was good. And, but building up in that one to Lisbon really freaked me out Mm -hmm. because I was like, we're flying over the ocean. I don't. Just the water side of it. That's yeah. it really was. It really bothered me a lot. I did not sleep on that flight from 4 p.m. until 6 a.m. Lisbon time. Somehow was still fine my entire trip in Europe. But then the other one that really bothered me when we did get to Europe, um, we had we had booked our flight through the company that we um, that we were traveling with. And I won't say who it is, but I guess they didn't have a deal with anybody who could take you directly from Budapest to Brussels. So we went Budapest to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam to Brussels. Okay. Which is a 22 minute flight. <laughs> You're in the air for 22 minutes. That was my worst flight of the entire thing. And I think what bothered me the most was it was the small plane that had originally triggered like this really big, big, mm. big anxiety for me. Mm. And I remember like when that plane landed, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And from Brussels back to JFK and then JFK down to Miami, I was 
calm as anything. I mean, I was actually like a normal human. I watched TV. I talked to people. I ate the food they gave me without thinking I was going to die. Like, it was unbelievable. Ate the food? Did you use the toilet? I mean, this... Yeah. Got up all by myself, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So So. I feel like I've been on the journey with you. I've I've, I've just lived through all these. So the, the, the water thing, did you get that kind of... Did you were you able to deal with that in the end, or was that just one of the one of the sixteen that you thought that's not so great? That was one. So that was that flight, and like I said, the really small flight from Amsterdam to Brussels. Those were my really bad ones. Um, from from Miami to Lisbon, I didn't relax the entire time. I put on movies and I'd watch ten minutes of the movie, and then I check the map, and then I watch ten minutes of the movie, and I check the map, and I would laugh because. I forget what her name is, but you have one guest on who says she's a huge map checker. She loves to make sure. And you always say, well, that's good because the pilot needs to know that, you know, they're going the right way. And I was laughing. So I'm like, man, if Paul or any of his guests saw what I was doing right now, they'd be laughing at me and making fun of me from the seat next to me. But I couldn't stop in a helpful way. Yeah. Well, you know, passion. (laughs) Yeah. But but I do appreciate that you're um, you're harder about it than some people are. Cause sometimes it's a little too nicey nice. And I'm from the Northeast part of the U S and we like the, the tough love kind of mentality. And, and I would love to hear you being like, thank God for you sitting in the back of the plane, checking the miles well, per look, hour. Listen, Phil, <laughs> we, we offer a service like we'll pay, we'll sit next to you. We'll, we'll sit and take the piss out of you for the whole flight. No problems. It's a chargeable service. We'll be glad to offer. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it's and, and like, Yeah. And, and it was listening to you, like, especially during, uh, I think it was like the descent part of your simply fly. Uh, that one was always great for me because you'd be talking, you'd say, I think you have a line in there about like, you know, this is the most dangerous part. Of course it's all dangerous, but this is the most dangerous part, which was the descent. And like, you're poking fun, but like you said, you are doing it with compassion. And that was something I kind of needed because I couldn't react to the super niceness because then that was making me kind of be like, Oh, like you almost feel like you're a child. Cause you're like, well, I kind of threw a temper tantrum and now I don't have to do the thing I don't want to do. So I'm not going to do it. Mm. Um, But I kind of needed that person to be like, get on the plane, stop being, stop, stop overthinking it and just get on the plane. And yeah, I mean, the 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 water one, the water definitely freaked me out. And that was the first time in my life I'd flown over water like that because all of my other international flights had been from Los Angeles to the UK. Right. So you're pretty much going over land that entire flight. There's very little where you're going over. I remember the first time I did that flight, I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> like, I'm looking at the map. I'm like, he does know it's over there, right? <laughs> like, why are we going up here? But you're barely over water. And this whole flight was over water. They didn't know anything, do they? Crikey. I, like, where do they, they just think they can go anyway? Salted you. <laughs> <laughs> they they think they have all total control. I'm like, guys, just go that way. I'm thinking we're going to fly over like my normal route. And then Honestly, not at all, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I know, I know, obviously I can talk as you've just heard for 20 minutes and your, your, uh, your listeners are probably exhausted and like, geez, I need a nap now too. But it, it was, it was huge for me to find this. And even though I don't really like using social media, I try to avoid it like at all costs. I don't go into really the Facebook group or anything, Mm -hmm. but I listen to these podcasts and these people who, who uh, overcome the fears. And as I'm listening to it prior to myself, really being able to, to overcome it in that, in that period between um, the panic attack and the first flight that I was going to have to get on, I would listen to these. And like, when you hear these people over like those huge moments, they're overcoming 
I'd be sitting there and I'm like, I'm getting emotional. And I'm like, I don't even know this person. I don't know anything about them, but like, I know how that's going to feel for me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, and I won't tell the story about my flight from JFK to Miami, we just had an unruly passenger the entire time, mm. but the worst flight I actually had from a, from a something actually could have been an issue standpoint was because of an unruly passenger. It had nothing to do with the mechanical of the plane. And it wasn't like this, this wasn't a passenger who was going to harm anybody. It was just a passenger who was not happy to be sitting on a plane. Like, and, and they were wreaking havoc kind of and not listening. And just, it was just getting out of control. And that was my worst flight. It had nothing to do with actual aviation and me being in an unsafe place. It was just, well, this guy shut up because he's just driving everybody insane. Yes. And that really made me laugh because that was my last flight out of the whole entire bunch that I did. So that's, but that for some people would freak them out because, you know, they would worry that what's this person going to do? Going to go and try and open the door or <laughs> they're going to attack the crew or something like that. So, you know, you've dealt with that well. And I, I know what you mean. I find, in fact, I find people really annoying on flight you know you sort of like you just you know, just like pipe down we're all here together mm -hmm. just shut up because mm -hmm. there's my equivalent would be going in on the london uh tubes or the transport you know and unfortunately people use their phones and then we all have to join in their bloody work conversations and that mm -hmm. just drives me crazy mm -hmm. and so i was so upset when they put wi-fi on aircraft but like luckily phone calls are still banned at but yeah, you know, that side of thing just oh, so I get yeah. it, get it. So you don't, you've done amazing. So, so fourteen out of the sixteen flights, you did really well, and you had that ropey bit with the water, which sounds like there might be a little bit of something there left, perhaps. I would say that's probably the one, and I was so much more comfortable because we we did like a whole European vacation essentially, and and we ended in Brussels, and flying from Brussels to JFK, I wasn't nervous at all because. To me, that was like the normal route, right? I know no route is unsafe, but to me, it was like, well, this is the route everybody flies all the time. You know, there's you could you could land in Iceland or Greenland or or some part of Canada or Dublin or anywhere UK. I mean, we're flying over everything, yeah. and it, it would it was it was so ridiculous. But that's how I kind of rationalized it with myself. But really, before that flight, what I said to myself and what I hope I can say to myself when I get on flights again, because my wife and I are far enough apart in age that my friends are getting married and her friends are getting married. And it's just like this relentless onslaught of having to fly all over the country for one day, one day just to see our friends get married and then turn around and be like, Oh my God, what there goes our weekend. But um, what <laughs> I said, listen to the podcast. <laughs> I tell them this straight up. Really I'm like, the weddings. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm like another one, really another one. Um, no, but so, I said to myself, I was like, whether you're anxious or you're not, this plane is going to do what this plane is going to do. Yeah. This plane is going to get you from Brussels to JFK. Mm. And if there is some sort of emergency or something that happens, it is going to divert to wherever it needs to divert, whether I'm anxious or I'm just sitting here in the back of the plane. And <laughs> I was so excited because I was like, it really worked. And I was so calm and I'm like, I'm going to watch movies. Yeah. And then the screens on our flight weren't working properly and the movies kept freezing every 15 seconds. So Which I was like, yeah. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to sit in silence. <laughs> like, but that was a little test for you. Well, you've done amazing. You've done amazing. When you think about yourself now, then in terms of flying, I say to you right now, are you a, a, an ex nervous flyer or 
a nervous liar, what's your first response? Uh, so I would say I'm you still hesitated. Yeah, I'm still nervous. I am. And 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 the thing is, I'm so relieved that as many flights as I had, because we don't travel that much. This was just a crazy circumstance of like all of this was just on top of each other. I'm very happy that's behind me. But also I'm very happy that's behind me because now like I'm at a slow time for work. Like I've, ha- I've had pretty much a whole month where I've just or about three weeks where I've just been like hanging out and just relaxing. And, and it's felt good to do that. So I'm happy it's behind me. We have a bunch of stuff coming up next year. Friends getting married in Los Angeles, yeah. uh, friends getting married in North Carolina. Yeah, all that. invited to those. Don't worry about that. Well, yeah, I know. No, trust me. These are people, that like I said, I already sense. told them. I'm like, I'm like, really? You're going to make me fly there? One of them's getting married in Cleveland, which I don't know if you know about Cleveland, but why would you make me fly to Cleveland for anything? Um, but- Apologies to anybody from Cleveland. <laughs> The believe land knows. Um, but I I just I'm not sitting here going, oh, I'm dreading booking that flight. Okay. And subconsciously, I used to look for a reason to not book a flight or to not go or what's going to happen that's going to prevent me from going. Am I going to get sick? Am I going to have a work thing that I just can't get out of? Whereas I could get out of a work thing anytime I wanted. I'm going to pretend I can't get out of it because I don't want to get on that plane. Yeah. And I don't feel that right now. If somebody were to say to me, hey, like you got to fly in October and you're going to go here. Part of me would be like, well, I didn't think I was going to have to travel in October, but I think it would be more of the of the headache of I have to travel now than the fear of actually getting on the plane, which it it's funny how you phrase it, because nervous about flying i think about myself where i couldn't sleep for a whole week up to the flight i'd lose sleep for a whole week yeah and then i look at myself even when i was nervous about the lisbon flight i slept like a baby the night before i said so i'm 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 almost there you've improved yeah definitely yeah yeah i i feel like i'm i feel like i'm on the cusp of of getting there it's just a matter of was will I have that same mentality that I had on the uh, on the last two flights well, of that's our trip? A good question. Will yeah, you? I know. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So, so it, okay. So this, let's roll forward. Then you got this scenario coming up. Someone says, "Hey, Phil, getting married." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in somewhere that you'd like to go, uh, but you're gonna have to fly to get there. Uh, it's three weeks from now. What would you do between now and then to be ready? I would. I would definitely go back and listen to these again. Um, I think I would go into the simply fly and, and kind of listen to, to the tips that are in there because every time I started to get out of control with something, I was able to go there and find the episode that had the answer. Because like I said, I listen to everything. And even when I just listen to your podcast where you talk to people, people will come on here. And I remember the, um, the, the one woman, when you had it, you had it where she could ask the the other pilot, any question she wanted. And she was asking him, I can't remember. I think she was from Ireland, maybe, but she had she had asked him, what if both pilots like like got sick or something? Could the cabin crew land the plane? And you were like, what's what's happening to make both of these pilots get sick? Like what is like in this this small window of flight? But like listening to those, like listening to that episode really helped me because there were a lot of answers to a lot of the anxieties I have. Yeah. You know, if a plane stalls, what's the what's the what's the plan for that? What's what happens in that situation? And yeah, she carried on for another half an hour after that. <laughs> I, I'd stopped. I thought this would be a good place to end it. 
and then um, <laughs> it carried on and then, so I was, thinking, I was gutted so I thought well that's probably some really good gold in there uh, so, you know there you go I, lo- I love that yeah I mean I believe it though because she was asking everything and I mean great questions those but those are the things that a lot of fearful flyers want to hear because my wife she's the one who will just she just sleeps she gets on the plane she passes out and i look over and i'm like clutching the armrest and she's like unconscious on my shoulder and i'm like how are you doing this how did this happen it is it's like how did you how did you end up passing out on this flight where i'm i'm like shaking in my boots and uh but getting those answers and having a place that i can go to now to hear the answers to those questions when an anxiety pops up because i don't want to google it you Google this stuff about where do we divert if if we're flying over the ocean and it's like you divert into the ocean and it's like, okay, that's not true. Like, you know, and every article, I mean, we had that, um, the, what was it? The, one of the, one of the stories that really bothered me a lot and it came after my flights to, uh, out in California, uh, back in November was the one from Hawaii where they were flying from Hawaii to San Francisco and i guess they in their incline they started to decline instead and of course the media portrayed it as a nosedive which it was not a nosedive i think they fell like i think it was like two thousand feet and by fell i think they like just were going down for two thousand feet yeah and they ended up going back up in the air and just taking off and going straight in and whatever and then they said the pilots or something had to do extra training just to make sure they knew it wasn't wasn't really anything that massive but that one really bothered me because i'm like okay, like, can I trust, like, can I trust the people who are even taking care of me in this situation? And then I listened to your podcast about all the training and and everything that goes into this. And I was like, okay, you know, there's, there's one incident out of millions, <laughs> like yeah. millions. Um, and that's the thing is it? it's about perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and I, yeah, I, I heard that story. I didn't quite, I haven't looked into the investigation which I know mm-hmm. there will be one and they'll publish it. But it did maybe, you know, whenever I hear something like that, I think, oh, what on earth happened? I'm more curious. You know? mm-hmm. What on earth happened there? I know they'll find out. Some of it will be changed. Nothing disastrous happened. It was one of those things where you know, there's checks and measures that to mitigate against things like that. Chances of something disastrous happening, pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Not 100% safe. Nothing is. But it's not far off. You know, that's about as best we can do, isn't it? This is like life's not safe, really. Yeah. Well, and yeah, electrocuted talking to you now. That's you could be more likely. I mean, I live in the the lightning capital of the world. Like I'm down here in South, right by the Everglades, I mean, and it's just a, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. I mean, but you know, my my wife and I laugh because every every week I host a I host a bar trivia down here. And uh, every week we drive on one of the most dangerous stretches of highway in America. And it's, you know, with fatalities, crashes, all of that. I mean, every time you get on the road, you see ambulance or police because somebody got in something, whether it's a fender bender or a big crash. I drive on that road without even thinking about it. I mean, I don't even, you know, it's not even a question. And yeah, but but to fly out of the airport that is literally between my house and that road would give me so much anxiety. Yeah. Would or will would because that airport that was that was one where i was fine we flew out of there to go up to new york and then back from new york and i was fine on those flights i really was okay on those um so it was almost someone's passed that that was gets ticked off that that one gets ticked off no it was it was almost like uh 
I had done really well and I had calmed myself down and I had rationalized well and I had done everything I needed to do. And that transatlantic flight was the different thing that I needed for my mind to start going crazy again of, well, this is different than what you're used to. You're not just flying over land the entire time. Like, don't look out the window because you're just going to be like, whoa, it's the ocean, you know, like, it, yeah. So like I can I, I, I feel like flying now around the United States, I I think I, I think I'm pretty good because I did a lot of those flights. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just it was just the international so one. Was yeah, a big so, one. So, you, so you've you're well on the way. Aren't you, let's be honest. You've, you've done amazing stuff there. You've had, you've had quite a, quite a backstory, though. But doing 16 flights in such a short time span and also the way you approached it was like six weeks mm-hmm. to really and, I, and I, I think that's a good chunk of time actually as long as you've got a good attitude towards it and don't write off the information that's coming in I think six weeks is a really good time that's why we did the 30 day program just to say mm-hmm. look well I reckon 30 days people get from here to there quite significantly and we cover all the stuff that you'd go on that, you know, if you did a whole full day course with a flight you know, like they do in the UK I don't know if they do in the US mm-hmm. it's the same stuff but yeah. people have got to be ready for it and you were clearly ready and motivated and you, you did it you know and you, and you're in a better place than you were yeah. And for me, it was a lot of um, what 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 is the uh, the the therapy where your uh, exposure therapy, because I didn't have a choice. I mean, it was it was just flight after flight after. I mean, there was there was I think the longest stretch we had in that entire three month period was was two weeks without a flight. Like we were flying all the time. And so I didn't really have a choice, but I didn't want to get into the point of I'm obsessing over this so much that it's actually like overwhelming my regular life and that would happen to me sometimes like in you know back when i thought i was an okay flyer because i could get on the plane and fly from la to to philadelphia i thought i was fine but i'd be obsessing for a whole week about it over and over and over again and i do feel that a lot of that went away because of listening to your stuff and because of simply fly and uh flight aware what what is it? it's not flight aware what's the uh the app radar Flight radar. Yeah, that one was a was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and all that just did really like it was I was able to kind of like space it out so that it wasn't every waking moment. I'm going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, and we're about we're having a storm right now. So if my power or something cuts out, I, I do apologize. But uh, we're getting about to get hammered with a thunderstorm. But uh, the. Uh, I, I totally lost my train of thought. So. We'll go. We'll go away with it. I totally lost oh, it because I'll I looked out the window. Make it later, make you sound amazing. Yeah, there you go. So Why is that? <laughs> yeah, please, please, just cut that part right there. Um, you know, well, I'm going to leave it in there. You, you, I mean, after how much? You know, that's how warts and all. After after how pompous I've been, you have to, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, you haven't been pompous. All right, so now you've paused for breath. <clears throat> I love your energy, by the way. It's been great for me. I. My favorite guests are I ask a couple of things and they just talk. That's mm-hmm. it. Perfect. Because at the end of the day, it's your story we want to hear. And mm-hmm. we want to know your sort of your strategies and stuff. So we've got a sense of that. So I I'm gonna push you just for that last kind of bit of wisdom. Like mm-hmm. someone's listened to this, they're not where you are, and they're thinking, Okay, what can Phil teach me about beating fear of flight? What would be your sort of main nuggets of wisdom 
my main my main few things is number one would be use the resources because there are so many and i didn't know about them and if you're listening to this podcast now you already know that there's resources and like you you have discovered something and there and you're going to find real answers you're going to find proper answers to questions that you have not just uh you know don't type in new york times airplane crash because you're not going to get the stuff you want to look for like if you want to know why something happened or uh simply fly had a great episode about the um what is it uh the fatigue of you you just always relate over and over again to every bad thing that happens in the world and it's like yes you're human but how much is is this incident what went on that actually made that happen that can't potentially happen to you it can't possibly happen here or or you know, because there's different safety measures or just whatever it is, use those resources so you can learn about it. Because yeah. I do think 99% of the fear comes from not knowing. And a big thing for me during this whole process and after and after um, listening to you, I went and kind of looked into for the first time in my life, why did the plane crash back in 1999? Mm. And it was because of like the new... Uh, TV equipment they had on the plane that just like it caught fire or something. And I was like, well, that's not something that's going to happen on my plane. <laughs> like that literally can't happen. And, you know, because you don't know when you hear about it, you're just like, well, it just it just fell out of the sky. Yeah. Um, an- another another big one, um, I would say, is is don't look for the negative information because it's all there. And if you want it, you're going to find it you're going to find everything bad that's ever happened. Yeah. Um, try to just kind of like, just kind of like rationalize the whole time of like, you're, you are a passenger on this plane. And I, a big thing for me is the, is the fear of, uh, of losing control. I love to be in control of everything I do. Um, and so you're giving up that control, but you give up that control when you sit on a bus or you get in an Uber or a Lyft, or I don't know what, I don't know if that's what you have in the UK, but like, you know, it's, it's all the same stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're giving up that control anytime you get anytime you're not doing it like you're not the the leader of whatever you're doing and you know that 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 anxiety of oh i'm just sitting here i'm just sitting here well you're 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 just going somewhere you're just you're just traveling and it it did help me to look at like uh flight radar because i'm seeing all those planes and i'm like that's how many planes are in the sky. And I'm worried about my one flight and the cabin crew on my one flight is probably on their third or fourth flight of the day on these shorter flights that we're doing around the U S like on these like two hour flights. I remember the one flight we were coming down and they're like, Oh, I got two more tonight. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm over here panicking and they have two more flights. Like this is a job. This is something people do very rarely is somebody going to take a job that is going to put them in danger you know you have to that's that's a totally that's like a a 1930s 1940s mindset you know of like i have to go work on the dock or i'm gonna go build the empire state building because i don't have a choice Mm. people are people do this job and most of your pilots are older (laughs) they've been doing it a long time doing a very long time so that was kind of just like the rationalizing I would do because Lovely. you just, you know, the, the pilots are laughing and having a good time before they get on the plane. They are, you know? Um, yeah. There and I, I do want to say, I do want to say one, one more thing, one more yes. thing. 
and this is more about the pilots, the pilots who give you the updates before it's going to be, this is like the length of time. It should be smooth. We might hit some bumps around here. You know, there could be the chance of, you know, uh, it delays because we might have to circle a bit. Though that is so important because we, we, I think as a society, we are so addicted to our phones and, and whatever we can get our hands on. And some of these flights don't have Wi-Fi, So you, you're up in the air and you're like, we should have landed 20 minutes ago. Why didn't we land yet? Why didn't we land yet? Just getting that little bit from the pilot is so yes. comforting. It's so comforting. And we had a great, uh, the, the, the flight from JFK down to Miami, we had a pilot who came out before the flight and it, it was a Delta pl- flight and he's thanking her. Thank you all for choosing us. He literally walked down the entire plane and like thanked everybody. Man, I could have slept on that flight if we didn't have the unruly passenger. I could have taken a nap because he, he it just made me so much more comfortable. And I think that's a I think that's a big thing. And I think I think pilots are doing it a lot more than they used to. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's it's very valuable to the passengers, especially the nervous ones like myself. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point, actually. And you remind me of something else that I need to pay attention to. So thank you for that. So you put mm-hmm. that's on the to-do list. But uh, Phil, that's been great, mate. Honestly. Um uh, really impressed with what you've achieved and i love the story and the backstory and what you've had to overcome to get to where you are now and i really wish you best for all the your flights coming out you're not going to go and do more weddings now because they've your friends are not going to be inviting you sorry about that uh, but um if you do get more flights please let us know how you get on particularly this water thing whether you sort of find a way to to rationalize that as well because we'd love to hear how you get on with that yeah absolutely Absolutely, Will. And thanks so much for having me on and uh, let me have a nice like 47 minute therapy session. But also thanks so much for just everything you're doing, because I see how much it's helping. It helps so many people. And it was crazy to start hearing that and being like, there's a lot of people with this fear. Yeah. But there's also a guy who's willing to sit there and listen to us all talk about it, which yeah, is great. No, I find it much more. This is much more interesting. I'm 20 odd years. I ran courses with, you know, hundreds of people in the room. I didn't get a chance to really talk to people, you know, so I really thought I get it. I feel like I get a chance to really understand people's stories and what struggles they go through. So if I ever go back to one of the massive courses, it'll be it'll give me such an advantage because I'll feel like I have you know, more empathy. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. I hope you're finding it helpful with your fear of flying. Now, if you do need some extra tailored help, you can go to our website, lovefly.co.uk and click on the courses button. You'll find more help there, such as our 30-day program and our on-demand webinar. Thanks again. See you next time.